0: Hey, this is Eduardo Sanchez, co-director of the Blair Witch Project, and you're listening
1: to Without Your Head.
2: of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neil, and I'm joined by Stephen Coggetti, writer-director of Hell House LL3 Lake of Fire, now on Shutter. It's very cool to have you here. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. So can you give people an idea of what Hell House LL3 Lake of Fire is, if they if they're not aware yet?
3: Um, it is the uh, third and final film of the uh, the Hell House story. Uh, I kind of see the whole Hell House LLC story as one movie. It's obviously spread out across three separate films, but in my head it's always been one story, and uh, in the third film is the third act of that story, um, starting with the events of Hell House, the original, when Hell House opened its doors in 2009. It's Halloween haunted attraction and culminating with the with the events that happened in 2018 with, uh, Russell Wynn coming to the, uh, Abaddon hotel, uh, for, uh, for, to put on his, uh, grand show. And that's how the, uh, the story, uh, ends that way.
2: Yeah. Now, when you, when you made the original movie, was your idea to eventually do three or at least your hopes to do
3: three? Yeah, it was my hopes. Well, it, it, it's tricky because the, the reason why I wanted to do more hell house films was because the original story I wrote out for hell house, um, it was not a found footage film as a narrative is a traditional narrative film. So there's a lot more story elements that couldn't um, when I switched the format from traditional narrative to found footage because I just thought it was just a better uh, angle to go for the film, I ended up losing a lot of the story elements that I wanted um, to have in the film. Uh, a lot of it had to do with uh, the history, Andrew Tolley, and, and things to come uh, things that were going to come in the future. Uh, so I just, just, I just, I had to, have to stick with the events of the Hell House team, um, in the found footage one. So and just lost everything, all the backstory and everything else. Uh, but I always said like maybe I can explore that, that all, all that backstory, um, uh, if you know, if I ever get the chance to do the sequel. So it was like, kind of, yeah. So I guess you could say it was kind of like a hope I can, I can make more Hell House films. Uh, to, that's how it went.
2: Yeah. Why did you decide to go with the found footage idea?
3: Uh, it was well. There's, there's two reasons one is always I mean the, the biggest reason always is, is money um, it just you know you cut your budget in half if you do a found footage film because you cut your uh, uh, your shooting schedule in half uh, so it, and so I was thinking like when I wrote the script I'm like I don't think I have enough I'll ever be able to pull together enough money to shoot this as a narrative um, and then I started exploring other ways and then the, around the same time I'd, I'd seen a few found footage movies that I love that were more uh, mockumentary style and one of them being Lake Mungo. Um, and I love that film. And I, then and, and just, and then and I, and I said like, wait a minute, what if we just attacked this from just a completely different angle of doing a, a documentary, uh, on an event that happened, uh, a, a, an unexplained event that happened and then went from that angle. And so what I did is that I just combined two things that I love the most, which is, uh, abandoned buildings and, um, and my love of like shows like dateline mbc or 60 minutes and this combined the two uh you know to uh you know instead of like we're you know a dateline where they're trying to figure out a murder mystery it's like what if they were doing an investigative uh doc on a paranormal event an unexplained event that happened uh at a a, you know at an an abandoned place like uh like hotel was uh instead of that so uh, it, it just like evolved that way um uh, over over time through different drafts of the script and eventually settling on it being uh a true found footage uh a documentary mockumentary kind of film mm-hmm.
2: now did you um when you did the sequels then did you ever think well i'll do this one as a traditional movie or once you do one <laughs> as a found footage <laughs> like you're kind of that's how they all should be
3: yeah no that's the thing that, that's really funny you ask that because it's uh, Every when I started writing Hell House 2, I asked people um, that that been working with me on the Hell House films. Um and when I started writing two, I said, Do you think I could do this as a narrative? And and they're like, No, definitely can't. You gotta stick with Pine. Okay. Then I started writing Hell House three and I was like, Do you think I could do this one as a narrative? And they're like, Nope, nope, you gotta do it. <laughs> so I was like, Yeah, you're right. All right. So they each they each the stories for uh, two and three all started off narratively, and then I and then um, I that's how I always just do it anyways. I write out like a story that would that would be shot narratively but then I and then when I start getting into the 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 bones of the script I I I, then I'd I'd start forming out the the found footage angle of the of the uh, of the script so um, the stories were always there and it's just you know turning it how are we how are you going to from what angle and perspective are you going to tell the narrative and is it going to be um, you know third person or is it going to be POV style first person found footage so they all they all just it's just better if you're going to if you're going to tell the whole story just keep it it into one format yeah,
2: yeah, and I've had people on before who will argue that, like, their movie is POV and not found footage, but I do think that just the found footage, people understand what you what you mean when you say that.
3: Yeah, I, I don't... I've never seen a, a difference. I mean, there might be a yeah. difference, but to me, that, that's all the same terminology.
2: Yeah, and I always thought that was a, a big problem with uh, Blair Witch 2, was it's, you know, it's a, totally different than the first one, so even if it's... Even if it's a good movie, it's hard to uh, to accept it because you're used to the first movie.
3: Right? Yeah, it's a good point.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, how about Blair Witch? When when you first saw that, uh, what did you think of Blair Witch?
3: Uh terrified! I love. It was so genius and so original, and I love what they did is they scared you with the unknown, and that's I, I just then that's my favorite kind of horror is it's not you know there's there's not anything chasing them through the woods. They're just creepy things that you can't even really see going on around them it's so subtle uh it's, it's, it they, they just knew how to do it and they uh, and they were trailblazers in, in that respect of um uh, you know it, you, there were ghosts popping out here and there uh i mean just think about how that film meant you know so someone standing in a basement facing away from them in the corner um that's how the film meant like that's nothing grand but that itself is so terrifying in its subtlety uh so yeah absolutely love that i was i was terrified by the film
2: yeah, I always think your imagination can always think of something worse than someone can film. So if you can, if you're, it's not easy to pull off, but if you can capture someone's imagination to to think of something horrible, uh, that's going to be scarier than anything you could think to, to shoot. Exactly.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's just my my favorite kind of horror is is uh, is art the subtleties, the things that just you see in the background, the corner of your eyes, you don't really know if you saw it or not. And and yeah, just, I'd rather just like subtly creep you out than, um, than like, you know, something popping out of the closet going, boom, you know, and that's kind of a horror I've always liked.
2: Yeah. So when you started filming a, a, um, a found footage movie, the first movie, like what are some of the difficulties that you didn't foresee?
3: Um, well, when you work on a tight budget, it's you know things. It's it's really tough to get across like a, a, a picture. Um, things are always in parts of production. Things are always problems are always arising um, because we don't have enough staff of a crew to to complete every task. So we have people that are playing a lot of roles, and and that makes it tough. You know, like actually, like our lead actor Danny was both the lead actor, Alex. And, uh, he also, he also sometimes played the clown. Um, and uh, it's because he had to, cause we just, we needed people. And, uh, so I guess, um, the, the biggest difficulties on set was, um, I mean, we, I, I think we, for what we had for our, our little budget and our little crew, like everyone did such a great job that we like no major issues did arise um, during shooting, we had some some scenes that like didn't work, and we had to. Uh, they were originally in the script, and we shot them. And like while we were filming them, I was just realizing like, no, this scare is garbage. It's not going to work. We have to come back and do it a different way. Um, and uh, one of them was how uh, Sarah Hovel dies at the end of the film. How it was originally scripted in the in the film uh, uh, in, this, in the screenplay it just wasn't. It didn't work out when we were shooting it, and and it was a. Uh, we were filming late into the night, and it was a completely waste of a night of a, of of, uh, of the on the shoot because we ended up not using that scene at all. Everyone was exhausted because we were just kept on working on it all night long, and then finally it was probably like one, two a.m. We we had been working all day, where he just called it quits and said, "All right, guys, this we're stopping. We'll come back. We'll try to figure out this scene later. But right now, everyone, we just got to finish. You know, just get back to the hotels, and we'll and we'll try to figure it out." And you uh, know, it was, it was, so it was just. Uh, Thing, like little things like that, where but nothing technical. Um, the hard, is obviously, the hardest uh scene to shoot was these the, the actual tour itself, where the bad you know everything happened and all the extras and the getting you know lining up things with the fire department and the um the ambulance and everything. Like, logistics of setting all that up was probably the, the toughest aspect of filming though. But um, but the thing is, we, we're still working with like, like great people, dedicated people, good actors, good crew, even though everyone was stretched thin, everyone just did a great job. So, yeah. yeah.
2: So for the third one, uh, Lake, of Fire, Lake of Fire, House of Fire. I'm sorry. The um, yeah, the first it one. Was, it is Lake Fire. I'm Lake sorry. Fire. Yeah, yeah. I'll edit that and I'll sound very smart. <laughs> but, uh, do you think you have to watch the first two to uh, to enjoy the third movie or to follow it?
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I think you, I think you do, and I think you should. I don't think I don't think anybody should watch a movie with a three with the Roman numeral three in it, not having watched anything previous, like no matter what movie it is. Um, but uh, I, I kind of wrote it, you know, to be an accompaniment to everything that's happened. And so there's a lot of clues and characters and things. It's, it's a whole uh, fun puzzle to f- kind of figure out and, and, and watch um, together with with everything that's happened. It, it really makes a lot more sense to watch it uh, one and two together. I would love to to you know try to make them as, as standalone as I can. I think you can watch them standalone and enjoy the scares and enjoy some of the moments and stuff like that. But to really enjoy the, the story, I think it's it's a lot better to you know have watched uh, the the prior films.
2: Yeah, it's more satisfying too because you get you get some backstory from the first two movies and the third yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. So uh, when you're writing Russell, the Russell Win uh, character, uh, how hard was that to to um, to cast for that character?
3: Yeah. Well, it was obviously the most important role, and it and I thought going in it was going to be very hard to cast, um, but it ended up not being that hard because. Uh, uh, Gabriel just nailed it in his first audition, and and when we brought him in. We had a we had a very small um, group of um, Russells to bring in in our first day of auditions. I think we had probably about I don't know ten, and uh, I was really actually excited going into Gabriel's audition because I I loved his reel. I you know I just loved his look. It was kind of always what I was thinking of, and so I was kind of hoping. I'm like, please work out, please work out. And he came in his audition, and he like he just had this aura about him that was so Russell. On that. And I leaned over to uh, to um, uh, Matt, who's our associate producer, does a lot of casting with us. I leaned to Matt. And I'm like, I think we got it. I think this is it. And it actually ended up being very easy in that way because Gabriel just nailed it. He did such a great job.
2: Yeah, definitely. And, uh, why, why are we why are we creeped out by clowns?
3: uh that's a good question i actually don't think clowns themselves are that scary and i think a lot of them uh clowns either in horror movies or just in regular day i think are too over exaggerated to be scary like i like all the 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 big eyes the big nose and all the colors um and just find them um very very silly so I'm, i'm not terrified of them but what so what I wanted to do for the Hell House clown is I wanted to simplify it and just and just keep it less is more. And I think the uh, and what I, the the way I've always uh, had it in my head was that the clown itself is very basic, just a very pale faced, dark eyed clown, and not overdoing any of the features. And I think that that uh, makes it a little scary. At least for me, it makes it a little bit scarier than some of the clowns that are really overdone. You know, the big like uh, the wigs and noses and all that stuff so that I, I really wanted to to simplify the clown and i thought i think that made it made it uh scary but yeah no I mean, clowns have always been you know uh, a terrifying part of the horror genre or just in general society yeah uh, i don't know why um but uh, yeah they, they, you're right they have been
2: yeah yeah it's very rare that a clown shows up in a movie and they're a good guy
3: good good thought yeah no it's definitely john mcclain was a clown not a uh was a cop not a clown so yeah you're right no never right.
2: that would have been a really different movie if you would have been a clown yeah. <laughs> i kind of want to see, maybe in the re the, i heard they're rebooting it maybe in the reboot <laughs> <laughs> so you said you like abandoned uh, buildings which i yeah. do too it's pretty cool uh so w- where did you film this one
3: so that was that was the the challenge i knew the first thing when we locked the script uh, was the biggest challenge was going to be where do we shoot this and um so i started looking i was actually looking at abandoned uh houses uh, abandoned buildings and like trying to reach out to owners being like hey can we film there and it just wasn't going well and i realized that was just a really stupid task to begin with because if any of i found like a great abandoned place to um to shoot, it, it was just like, well, how do I even know if it's even safe to shoot? <laughs> like, <laughs> right, you know, yeah. And then we have to put so much work into making it um, a, a functioning haunted, ha- a haunted Halloween uh, tour. So, um, so then I just switched gears and I said I should find an actual functioning Halloween haunted house attraction that looks abandoned too, that it could could double as both. And that's when I uh, I met uh, Andy Moyer who uh, owns the. Uh, uh, Waldorf for state of fear out in, uh, Lehigh in Pennsylvania, which is near Philadelphia. Uh, it's about like an hour outside, maybe an hour and a half outside of Philadelphia and Pennsylvania. Um, and I was living in New York city at the time. And I said like, Hey, like I'm filming this movie. Do you mind if I like come out and take a look at your place, possibly shoot there? She was really, um, interested and uh, very cool about me coming out and meeting her. I think this is, it was probably, uh, uh, in the dead of winter I think they were out of season um and so I went there and uh we met and the place was perfect it had it was it was, a, it was a, an old hotel that she just turned into um into her haunted attraction that, that just fit the script so well and you can go through some of these rooms in her haunt and I, I had the script with me and I'm like oh we could do this this scare here we can do this scene here and would like just had everything that the script called for while also having that abandoned look so I knew we had to we had challenges in the script to make the um, to make the sets look abandoned um, since Andrew Tolley's cult um, uh, killed itself back in the '80s. So when Hell House comes upon it in 2009, it has to look abandoned ever since then. And then when Diane Graves, at the end of the film, she does the documentary when she comes upon Hell House in 2014, five years after the events, it has to look abandoned, past a Halloween attraction gone wrong five years after the fact. So it had to have all these different looks. And that in that place uh, was equipped to do all that. And it was, so it was just a perfect fit. And then just working with Angie, I mean, this is her stuff. She loves horror. She loves haunted attractions. And uh, the, the character Alex is kind of her. Um, so it, it just worked out perfectly that way.
2: Now, your crew that you work with—have you worked with them before? Like, how did you know them before you started doing the movie? Yeah,
3: no, uh, the uh, well, the producer um, uh, Joe Vendelli, who's been working with me on Hell House One, Two, and Three, um, just uh, so uh, intimately involved in and in helping me make these films. Uh, we met making Hell House, so I just got hooked up with him, um, and uh, so he uh, has been working on them through all three, um, but. Uh, mostly everyone i i know that's uh, worked on all three films um or two of the films or whatever I've, i just met while making hell house there's no one no one i've worked with uh, before except for the character uh, al mac uh of the original hell house game mac the uh, uh was played by adam schneider he and i had been friends for a while before hell house and then when i was uh making my first feature uh obviously, Um, one of the few uh, friends I have that's an actor I wanted I wanted him to be in it and uh and so he's the only person I've known before Halos but everyone else I've met went in the process of making the films Mm
2: -hmm. so this specific one you know it's uh, it's on Shudder it says exclusively for Shudder so did you make uh did you make this movie for Shudder like how does that work uh
3: no actually I don't um have any control over that so uh it's uh I'm you know, we we would love. To, obviously, I think uh, any uh, indie uh, film would love to be paired with, with Shutter, though. But um, we make our films, and uh, for Hell House, uh, at least we've been uh, partnered up with Terror Films, which is a distribution company for the film. Yes, yes. Uh, and so they um, take. It's really up to them what they're going to do with the film. Is they're going to um, they're going to you know, uh, give it to Shutter as an exclusive. Or are they just going to do iTunes or Prime or both and all that? So, um, I, I don't make these films uh, with any thought about where, where, how it's going to be played. I, I, I make them and and just hoping it's you know seen by as many people as can be. So sure.
2: sure yeah. When, yeah. when you when you put out the first one, did it do festivals or anything, or did you yeah. just release it?
3: Yeah, we did. Uh, no, we did a we did a uh, um, uh, uh, two festivals. One one was. Um, uh, the Telluride Horror Fest. Um, so I went to that in person, and um, and that was back in uh, twenty. Uh, I think it was twenty fifteen, uh, the fall of twenty fifteen. Uh, yeah, that's when it was so fall of twenty fifteen. It was at the Telluride Horror Show. And that's the first time anyone had seen uh, seen it, and I was there in person, and it was just a great experience. That that festival is so much fun because you're just in this awesome town at Telluride, right? You know, down in Colorado, and and you're you just it's just a weekend of watching awesome horror films <laughs> in like these great theaters and stuff. So I had a ton of fun doing that, and it was a surprise. Like the the um, you know nobody had known about Hell House or, or you know, knew anything about it. So and but a lot of people. Uh, I think a lot of people just like the premise when they're reading the the program. A lot of people showed up for the screening, and so the screening had a good, um, a really good audience that was, it was. And so that you know, any indie filmmaker just bringing a film to a festival just you know just that just means a lot. Just when people come out to see uh, your film, so that was a great experience. A lot of people did come out; they they liked it. It was a positive reaction. Um, so that, that was just a fun weekend.
2: Yeah, yeah. I know you were on um, Nicholas Vince's uh, Chattering Show talking about when the first movie came out.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and great guy. Love, love that. Love that guy.
2: Yeah, 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 who will be on the show tonight as well? So,
3: oh, yeah, okay. yeah, he's a good dude. Yeah,
2: yeah. He doesn't do the show anymore, unfortunately.
3: No. No. Mm. No. I just, uh, I just follow, I just follow his life and his, his doings on the, through Facebook and social media. He's just, he's just great, hilarious guy.
2: Yeah. So, um, were you always a horror movie fan?
3: always a horror movie fan um and but never really considered making horror movies uh, uh when i was in film school and everything like that i was writing different kinds of scripts and working on different kinds of uh stuff um but always loved the genre i love a oh, good horror film because horror is like it's so different than any other film it's just you know you get such a uh, the feeling of terror is something that's so real and like when you get that from a movie it's just it's just great so i I, I love a good horror film. I love a good scare. I love being scared. And so I always watched it, uh, never thought about making it um, until uh, right around the time, you know, when I started writing Hell House, which was around 2012. Um, and we shot it in 2014. That was my first. Hell House was the first thing I've ever written uh, horror-wise.
2: Mm-hmm. It's interesting because when I put up your coming on and I put up, you know, the trailer, uh, some people who are hardened horror fans in in our Facebook group, uh, they and they they didn't want to say it like, but I have to admit that your movies make me jump. They said uh, the first one had a scene that legit made me jump from uh, Tomas and uh, Tony says, uh, I love these movies. They get me every single time I watch them.
3: Oh, uh, that's great! Yeah, no, I think if so, if anyone's talking about uh, something that made them jump in the first film, there I know they're always usually talking about the girl in Paul's bedroom uh, when he wakes up in the middle of the night. That's usually what when people uh, ask, uh, tell me about uh, what they liked about Hell House. That's the, that's the scene they reference the most: the girl in Paul's bedroom that when he wakes up in the middle of the night, sitting um, there. That and and I love shooting scenes like that. That scene was just a lot of fun to shoot, and and I just. Yeah, and and people, and I'm just happy people are reacted well to those scares. Um, yeah. like this, you know, I, like I make these movies. I don't know if it's scary. I just know what scares me, so I I make, I make these scares, and then, and and it's just been really good to to know that there's other people that appreciate those kind of scares, like the very subtle things, um, and and so that and that's, so that's been great to know.
2: Yeah, what were some of the movies that uh, you watched that made you want to become a movie maker?
3: Um. I don't know any movies I, I, but I do know that I've always wanted to make films as far back as I can remember as, since I was a little kid and I've always, and you know, it does, you know, I was, a, I was a kid of the eighties. So, um, growing up with, uh, all those, you know, the, 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 all, you know, the, the classic eighties films and the, into the nineties. But, um, I, uh, but I don't know if there's any one film that said like ah oh, I want to do this too. But I do know that ever since my youngest time I can remember, I absolutely just always wanted to make films. So and it's just great to be able to be able to do that um, and, and make these films. Uh, I know it's it's you know it's it's in a subgenre that's not as glamorous as others. The found footage is very it's very niche, but um, I, I love it and I love I love making these films. So.
2: Yes, yeah, so you said this is the last one, so there, there, there won't be any. Uh, that's definite. There won't be a fourth one.
3: Definitely, won't be a fourth one. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that there won't be uh, anything uh, in the world of, of the Abaddon Hotel, um, but uh, in involving Hell House or, or anything going forward in the timeline, definitely not.
2: Yeah. Is the Abaddon Hotel uh, like inspired or based on anything real? Uh,
3: no, no, I did. Um, I did get the idea for the uh, – so in the, fir- in the first film, the, the YouTube video where the, the, the tour goer caught the entire events in the beginning of the film on, on camera and uploaded to, to YouTube, um, and they were fleeing, and everyone's trying to get out of the hotel, and it was all, all gone from one perspective of a, of a camera that never cut. That that was actually t- – uh, I, I got that idea from a, a real-life uh, tragedy that happened that was caught on video, and one person caught it, on video uh, and never cut their camera as they were trying to escape this tragedy. And it's because so there, there was, and you know, it, so I just kind of took that. What if someone caught that uh, something happening? But it wasn't um, uh, in this instance. It was a fire. But I would say, but what if we did something that was like more of a not paranormal? Something was caught uh, and a tourgo or events, uh, so so to speak, where there's people there. But it was something more paranormal. Um, so there's, like, a few things from real life that inspired certain scenes, um, but just, like, twisted them and molded them a little bit to fit uh, more of a paranormal perspective.
2: I saw on your IMDb page that uh you did some shorts before doing the feature. Uh, how, how, besides just being longer, I guess, like, how does that prepare you to, uh, to make a feature film?
3: Um, yeah, I mean, you, you definitely... I would say just making films, even if, no matter how small they are, um, how short they are, is the best way to learn how to um, to be ready to make uh, features and to actually make a make a movie. Uh, so, I, you know, you can go to film school. Obviously, I did, and you, you know, you learn all the terminology, you learn everything about cameras and all, um, you know, what to do. But there's no There's no there's no experience like actually just making a movie. Um, even if the movie's three minutes long, and that's the best way to, to get you equipped uh, to start making features. And once you're more confident, you know what needs to be done on a, on uh, on a day on a uh, on a shoot. Um, you know, then you can I think that then you can definitely go into a feature uh, more confidently. So it's just really good to start off with short films. Uh, I, I definitely recommend that to anybody. You know, even if you have zero budget and your movie's and your short film's going to be a minute long. Do it. It will just help you so much. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I have a four minute short in, in festivals right now, so that's why I was wondering. Oh, so,
3: yeah, okay. So you know, so and in, in, I mean, and you plan it? You're hoping to like eventually make make it or another uh, or
2: uh, something? Yeah, we already. Well, yeah, we're already planning a, a feature right now. So hopefully, that's we'll correct. film that in February. Was, we'll that, was that was was that the first?
3: Uh, was that the first production you've made? Uh, the, the the short that's in festivals now?
2: Yeah. Yeah, the first uh, I was uh, a little bit part in uh, a couple other movies. Those people like me on the show and would you know have me in stuff. But this is the first thing like I was involved in.
3: Yeah. Okay. What What did you um, do in it?
2: In this one, it's um, well, it's a very weird thing to explain because I it's a documentary in quotes, but it's more of a mockumentary when you actually watch it, and it's based on uh, I lost my belly button in a surgery, and so. So it's both, there, it's, there's no script, It's all the dialogues ad-libbed. Okay. And, uh, and so I'm the main, I guess I'm the actor in it too. And uh, we made it dur- during a festival, Boston Underground Film Festival. And then uh, it's been at festivals now. It's won uh, b- one best, ca- uh, funniest short at, uh, at a premiere, which is very cool. And it's up for best documentary, at one coming up, which is odd because it's not really a documentary. But uh I don't know. It's, it was, it's a fun experience.
3: Oh, well, congrats. That sounds like it's doing well.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. And it's misspelled very often, but, um, <laughs> but it, it does have an odd name, I guess. Umbilicus Ducideros. I, I can't blame him too much. Right. Although, did you, you do think if you're a film festival, you would spell uh, the name of your movies correctly? You
3: definitely got to get that right if you're a film festival. <laughs> <laughs> right, right,
2: So, when you started doing uh, horror movies, um, you originally said you we were going to do other stuff. Would you like to do other, uh, other types of movies now, or are you a horror guy now? Uh,
3: yeah, I'm a horror guy now. I mean, like I, I, uh, I'm, I, I started off writing comedy. I, I think uh, I, I love doing comedy. I love making like those the short films I made were all comedy films, and you know it, it's always fun to to work with comedic actors and have, and have laughs on, on set. And, uh, but uh, I, I just, uh, since I wrote hell house, I just love this style too. And it's, uh, it's been having so much fun writing horror. Um, I'm in the middle of writing, uh, you know, by the next film I'm going to make right now, I just finished up uh, another draft of it. And, and I just realized like, this is definitely something I like. I like horror. I love mystery too combining the two. Um, creating a mystery for the audience to kind of figure out. And uh, so the, and I, 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 that's definitely what I'm going to stick with uh, for now.
2: Yeah. yeah. So um, um, where can like you follow the stuff that you're doing? Like what, what you're up to next?
3: Um, I think the uh, best place to find out anything happened in the hell house world is definitely follow the hell house um, Facebook page. Um, for me personally, I usually post uh, everything I'm doing and, um, uh, on Twitter, I'm a Twitter guy, so I'm, uh, that's best place to find what I'm what I'm up to is on Twitter.
2: Yeah. So when you when you put out the the first Hell House, um, like uh, how how did people receive it? Since you've done three, obviously, you know it did well.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so your question is, I'm sorry, what was your question?
2: Uh, just like, um, were you surprised that you know people uh, took it so well, and you were able, you know, to, to keep yeah. doing more of them?
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. Definitely it was a surprise and it was such a – it was so you know, humbling. This, people just uh, were reaching out to me saying they saw Hell House, how much they liked it. And uh, I was I was amazed by that uh, because, you know, you, 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 that's when that one, like when we put out Hell House, nobody knew of it. And it was just kind of put out there onto on Amazon Prime and just kind of hoping – you know, people would find it, and 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 people did, and they and it really the it, it got popular because you know people saw it and they would spread the word and people and and that and word of mouth really uh, helped the film a lot. So, um, it's it's been amazing people's reaction to it. And as I was saying earlier, and it's been great for me just to know that like the the scares worked for people, and that's always like the best like thing I hear when people say, "Oh, I love this scare, that scare." Um, that's I'm just like phew, because I'm like, I, I'm writing this stuff, and and I'm like, this scares me. I hope someone else finds it scary, you know. When I was editing the first film, um, uh, I remember I showed my wife, I, I sat her down to watch you know a couple of the scenes, and I'm like, is this scary? And she's like, yes, it's definitely scary. I'm like, I don't, I don't know if it is, and she's like, trust me, it's scary, it's just because you wrote it. You shot it and now you've been through every frame of it a million times it's you trust me it's scary i'm like all right fine i'll it. I'll take your word for it and and then um and then to find that people are saying other people are saying not just people that i know like my wife that has to say that um are are, are telling me it was scary then that's just it's just very rewarding and, and it's been very it's just it's just been great to find that it's finding an audience
2: yeah, that's interesting. You said that because I would assume, you know, at that point you're not really seeing it as a movie anymore. You're seeing it as this, this thing I've edited and the experience right. of making. It's so, you
3: tends desensitize. So I was so desensitized to everything about it. So, like, it seems like I was when I was writing them. I'm like, ooh, that's scary. And then, you know, having gone through that scene a million times in take yeah. in the editing room, I'm like, is it scary? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. So when you
2: were at the festival, so when you are at Telluride, um, and you watched it w- with a big audience, uh, what was yeah. that experience like?
3: That experience was, um, was great. Uh, so I actually – the best experience I had, and I always, I'll never forget this, was I, I showed – the um the film the first cut of hell house um to a group uh, a large group of people in new york city uh we rented out like a small uh and there wasn't a, really can't really call it a theater though but we had probably about like 80 90 people there because i invited the cast and the crew to come out and told them um you know bring your friends you know bring anyone you want and we'll, we'll watch it and um and so we had this like kind of like it was a screening hall it was actually meant for uh, uh that's where they, they played chamber music in this place but we uh, we used it to screen hell house and um uh, and I remember I was sitting in the back, and this girl that I didn't know, she didn't know me, came in. She came in like a few minutes late, and she's trying to find a seat, and she ended up sitting right next to me. And she didn't know who I was. She, had no, she didn't know anybody related to the film. She's just a friend of a friend who got invited. And while we are watching the film, I just saw, like, like she just kept on getting more and more disturbed. And, like, she, she was covering her face at some points. And at one point she just like, like, took in this breath and, like, she wasn't breathing and, like, she was holding her her hands over her mouth and I'm like, I'm like, I know she's definitely not doing this just to be nice to me. She doesn't know I'm, I'm like, this, it's really affecting her. And I was, and it was like, I was like, wow, that's a genuine reaction. And, and it's when I first realized, I'm like, oh, this, this film actually might be scary. And that was a great feeling. And that was before Telluride. And uh, then we went to Telluride, and uh, it was the same thing. Like the um, the audience just had a, a great reaction to it, and uh, we did a little Q and A afterwards. And uh, and people stuck around to ask questions, which is which is great. And and uh, people are just really in, into the film and stuck around. We're just asking questions, and we we went for a long time, and, uh, and that was a good experience because then it, it, it really showed that people were uh, appreciating what you know what we did there. So it was just a great experience. Yeah.
2: yeah. I, me- okay. you know, I mentioned this is on Shutter right now, the third movie. Yeah. Um, um, is there? I assume there's plans then to put out a physical copy. <laughs>
3: yeah so a lot of people ask us about that so i put out um hell house one on i on just on, on dvd not a blu-ray and everyone's like why not blu-ray it's because because blu-rays are a lot of money and we're 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 as ma-pa operation as you can get so um we you know we we don't we can't produce that but the second one is coming out um, on blu-ray um any week now and and then there are plans to put the package them all together um, uh, as a Blu-ray, uh, all three uh, to get them out there eventually too. I, I don't know when though, but um, but some but someone but that's being that is being worked on. Yeah, yeah, that's very
2: cool. That's now, since you said they are, you know, you've seen it as one long movie. Yeah. Uh, would would you ever put out like a box set of all three?
3: Yeah, that, that's a that's a plan. I would like to actually, um, you know, I do put out a box set of all three movies, um, and uh something that i've been kicking around and talking to a few people about is like what if we you know put the you know put it out as one movie like really edit all three together into yeah. one movie. um and it's something i would like to do down the road uh it, i mean it's it's not as easy as it sounds because it's it takes all the films have to been be remixed and everything like that and and that that's that's a process it costs money and like that but um but uh, then something I definitely we definitely be thinking about is actually putting it together as one big movie and 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 uh, you know releasing that somewhere I don't know Prime or something I don't know.
2: Yeah, that'd be cool.
3: Yeah. yeah.
2: So you uh, mentioned where you can follow you. You can get it on Shutter, and uh, hopefully, uh, well, well, eventually be out on uh, on physical. You know that's a thing people say that people don't buy physical copies, and I'm sitting here with a big stack of DVDs. Of <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I, I li-
3: yeah, I, I like a good uh, Blu-ray um, and uh, DVD, but I, I have a collection as well. Um, and the film uh, will be on uh, Hell House Three will be on um, uh, Amazon and iTunes uh, in 2020 uh, in January.
2: Yeah, yeah. I guess how important is that streaming to an independent uh, filmmaker? What's that? How important is the streaming
3: sites to an independent filmmaker? I mean, it's, it's, it's great. It's you know, like, cause you know, we're a, a movie like mine is never going to go to a theater. So, um, there's really, and to be, so to be able to, um, to have platforms where people can see your work, That's you know, it's, it doesn't have to be a theater anymore. It's just, it's so important. It's so great. Um, I just, I just hope like this, the process of, um, a video on demand, these, these streaming sites just gets approved upon. Um, and, you know, uh, I, I always worry that there's going to be something ha- to happen that, you know, in the indie is going to get crushed somehow on, on these platforms. You know, I, you know, I think, um, uh, you know, I think Amazon's trying to cut down to uh, Amazon actually took um, uh, Hell House 3 or Hell House 1 off of Prime for a couple weeks saying that we were, um, that the movie's too violent. And we're like, what? <laughs> like, it. And, like, and so, but they eventually put it back though. But it's just like uh, I'm like, I have a guarded reservation. I'm like, I love these platforms. It's a great place for indie film, um, and I hope it stays that way. But you know, you, n- you never know.
1: So. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, obviously, I have a lot of uh, independent uh, directors on the show, and uh, over the last couple of years, there's been issues like that with Amazon for, for a lot of them.
3: Yeah. Amazon's a worry. Cause you know, it's, 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 obviously one of the biggest platforms and it's like the bigger they get, the, you know, the more of a, of a, you know, like a, a bully they can be, you know, towards, towards the, uh, the, the non-studio films. So, uh, but I mean, that's, and that's fine. That's, you know, that's, that's Amazon though. I, we're a genre film. So we've just been loving going to a genre platform like uh shutter Mm-hmm. um so and you know for for horror fans horror fans all know shutter uh you know i i've been a shutter fan for a while for many years now um and so like the, the fact that the, the when there's a genre specific uh streaming platforms like shutter out there um that that that's the best especially for the horror community to have to have something like shutter so um you know amazon can do what they want uh you know us horror fans are sticking with shutter so
2: yeah, yeah, I, I love Shredder. You know, not because they set up uh, interviews here, but uh, yes, yeah, I was uh, been a fan of it for a long time too. And yeah. really, it's worth it just if you watch Joe Bob. But uh, but yeah, there's all kinds of cool stuff up there. Right. So,
3: yeah, Joe Bob, and then um, uh, you know, I'm I'm really excited for what they got coming out in September, October. Obviously, Creepshow. So it, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, I, got uh, I got
2: to see the first episode, and it's great. And <laughs> Creepshow's is one of my favorite movies. I have the old VHS clamshell over here <laughs> in, my, in my show. my awesome. shelf. Yeah, the first movie my mom bought me.
3: Crazy,
2: you like it? Oh yeah, I loved it. It was great. And I was a little. It was weird because I was both looking forward to it because I love Creepshow, but I was also worried because I love Creepshow. I was like, "Yeah, man, I hope they don't,
3: you know, mess it up." But it, well, that's good. It's so you being a, a genuine Creepshow fan and you liked it. That's that's good. And I have I read I read some uh, early reviews that uh, people are, are are loving it. So that that's good. That's good to know. Uh, and yeah, Shudders is, is, is just great for that. It's a great place, especially right when you're in the the thick of the haunt season. You know, where September, October are the best months. And uh, so it's just great to um, have Shutter uh, right now, just all this great stuff that they're doing, putting out. So we're happy to be a part of that. So
2: yeah, and uh, well, one last thing here, since we are coming up to October, uh, what are your plans for Halloween?
3: Uh, <laughs> I got I got two small kids, so I never I have any other plans. But <laughs> putting them to bed and then going to bed myself. So but um, we, we always just try to you know you know, watch any my wife and I put the kids, to bed. always try to get in a few scary movies here and there when we can, but you know, it's, a, it's very, it's very unpredictable. What, what happens in our house? <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, are they old enough to trick or treat yet? Uh, not yet. They're like right on the bubble. So okay. yeah, we might, we might take, uh, my one son out, but it might, he's like, yeah, maybe a little too young or we'll see though. But, um, uh i we are planning on i know the weekend of october 26th um i'm planning on going to the Abaddon hotel their uh, their halloween tour is uh is the the halloween tour that happens at the the Avanon hotel um is uh is in season uh in october and so if, if you if anybody who listens is uh, in the uh, in the drivable area it's actually an awesome tour to go see and you see a lot of the sets from Hell House because they they keep it that for their their Halloween tour. They keep a lot of the sets for Hell House um, as as is, and the Hell House clown is on it. And uh, they have a haunted hayride and everything. So I, I love going down there, and uh, I'm I've, I've actually going down there to scout for something else. But I'm also going to go take their tour. Um, you know, it's that's it's just an awesome experience to be in you know October and do something so Halloween-ish, which is like a haunted hayride tour and a haunted house tour and. And so I, that's definitely something I'm doing. I know I'm going to be there that weekend.
2: Oh, very cool. That sounds that sounds very exciting.
3: Yeah, it is. It's a lot of fun. They do a great job there.
2: Yeah, cool. Well, I appreciate coming on, and I hope people check out Hell House L L C three Lake of Fire. Watch all three of them.
3: Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Neil. Really appreciate it.
2: Thanks.
4: From ancient terrors to the search for modern day conspiracies, the Tomb of Nick Cage is the new sound in horror rock. Uncover the mystery of old world horror for the new world order on iTunes, Amazon, and more. Ripley,
1: we should have listened. Sit here on a lie. By now we're gonna die. The tomb of Nick Cage.
4: They come at night. Ripley, oh, they come at night.
1: Ripley. Oh, Roughly! coming night!
4: Roughly! Find out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The tomb of Nick Cage. Coming night.
2: This is Fred Vogel, the director of the final interview, and you're
0: listening to Without Your Head.
2: Welcome to the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neal, and I'm joined by Barry J, writer and director of Ashes. It's very cool to have you here. Thank you, Neil. It's really yes. cool to be here. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Ashes was was very good. I really dug it. Uh, it's Thank creepy you. and it's funny and it's well shot. And uh, for people who haven't seen it yet, uh, can you give them an idea of what Ashes is about?
0: Yeah. Uh, something happened in my family. My Marian passed away in a nursing home in her 90s um, in Ohio. And my sister got a phone call that she'd be receiving the Ashes. Cause she's next of kin and you know, she was kind of a character growing up, but we weren't very close cause we were all in New York and she was in Ohio. So we just visit a couple of times. Um, and my sister didn't know what to do with these ashes. Um, and she starts moving them from closet to closet. Mm-hmm. And My mother told me she found them in her closet one morning and screamed to get her out of here.
1: <laughs>
0: so this kind of gave me the idea that, you know, the, the once thought of as a character Aunt Marion passed away and, and those who left, um,
2: she's coming for you. She's coming for the revenge, yeah. Because yeah, I knew yeah. it. It yeah. says based on actual events at the beginning, so I didn't know, you know, how real that was or if it was just the, you know, kidding. Yeah, or- the real
0: Aunt Marion, all those pictures are at the end of the movie and the credits are me and my family and Aunt Marion. Um, a lot of things that you saw in the movie, in the flashbacks of Marion, those are all things that that happened. I was trying to paint her in a very um, um, sympathetic light, you know, where she's um, the sadness of her true of her true self is shown, and she's not just a character. Um, there's a lot of things that happened. My mom having a stroke, all that, the exact family dynamic. We are a mixed race family, and I took exactly what you see is what my family looks like at a table together. Wow. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I'm Uncle Jay. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it's about you know, you think you have the last lap and you
2: don't. Mm hmm. So, uh, d- Um, when you write that movie is any of it like uh, regret from like how some of you guys uh, might have treated her because you know in the movie they uh, you know laugh at her and stuff when she's alive absolutely and I took
0: (laughs) I took the extent of how far the laughter went and how far its result went with Mm -hmm. Aunt Marion when she got scared um, and and Jay laughed Um, we never laughed to her face and mm-hmm. it was always sort of like if you spent the day with Aunt Marion at the end of the day the family would look at each other, okay, what did she do? And there was always a funny Aunt Marion story because she was a character.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but I loved her and and I learned a lot about her through this, through thank God my mom's still alive and I can um ask I could ask questions. Mm-hmm. And I learned so much about Aunt Marion, so I dedicated the movie to her. Today she's in a, a very beautiful box, and she's in my office under glass.
2: Okay, Inter- interesting. Watching the movie, I actually have the ashes of my uncle Barry in uh, oh. uh, by by the fireplace. It was like, wow, that's really uh, weird. <laughs>
0: well, that is, I really, I love that though. That's cool.
2: Yeah. So you, all right. so, my you know, wants out. Oh, all right. Well, he might want to say hello. Okay. There, yes. <laughs> she was crying at the door, and I was like, oh, uh, literally." <laughs> yeah. So well, you know, um, uh, you you have um, it was a Barry's boot camp? So uh, how, did yes, from, uh, how did you go from how uh, did you go from uh, Barry's boot camp, which I assume you still do, to to making horror movies?
0: Yeah, I'm retired, but um, I retired just last year after 20 okay. years, and it's been an incredible blessing in my life, and. You know, back in around two thousand and ten, I came out to l a to be a songwriter and a writer. I've loved horror since I was a kid, and you know, and those horror fans out there listening know when I say I loved horror as a kid, they know it was probably extreme <laughs> and my I, I had the famous monsters of Filmland magazine and posters all over my wall of the universal black and white and um and I thought to myself. No, it's great. Barry's is great. I taught in the morning. I came home and I had the day. And I started thinking about writing again. And the only thing I want to write is horror. I'm not going to write a dramedy or anything like that. So I started writing horror movies one after the other to get good at it. And I wrote about 20 scripts. And a friend of mine at boot camp said, um, you've been writing a lot. Can I read something? And I gave him a few. And then he came back and said, let's write something together. And, um, and then that script that we wrote together became the chosen, which is out there in the world by Terra films mm-hmm. Interesting. so and was that's this how something,
2: it started yeah was this something you always thought about?
0: well, I loved horror so much and I did love writing and it's it's always been in the back of my mind to write a horror movie you know i i I know my favorites I have my um the ones that inspired me is um, like John Carpenter and George Romero. And so I just, just had to do it. That's all I could tell you. I just had a lot of time on my hands. And that's the only thing I wanted to do. I was doing some songwriting again, but you know, making country demos is very expensive. And I also wasn't living in Nashville. So mm-hmm. I thought if I'm not going to live in Nashville, you know, getting these country songs placed is going to be near impossible. Yeah. Um, and when I started writing scripts, it was like a year later when Ben and I wrote *The Chosen* and sold it. So you tend to gravitate towards what's actually kind of working. So I stopped the country songwriting. and I kept going with the, um, the horror scripts.
2: Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And by the way, since you uh, since you have Barry's boot camp, or had Barry's boot camp retire, uh, do you have any pointers for me? Because uh, let's see, I've lost 125 pounds or so since November, but uh, so I feel oh, a lot of loose. Well, thank you very much. I awesome. feel great. Thank you. That's great. But, uh, yeah. So it went from a 340 to the two teens and I feel very good, um, but I have a lot of loose skin. So I don't know if there's any pointers on how to uh, tone oh, up.
0: Okay. Now that that's a hard one. I mean, mm-hmm. the uh, keep on the road that you're on, you're doing great. And I would say lifting weights would be the best way by developing mm-hmm. muscle under the skin. It'll tighten the skin. You know, um, and as you as you keep, I don't know what your goal weight is, but as you get towards your goal weight, you keep consistently working mm-hmm. out with weights to build muscle. Mm-hmm. That should help. That should be the best help possible. Yeah,
2: well, Thank I you. Think- I, yeah, right before this interview, I just I walked like eight miles, so I walk. A oh, lot that's awesome.
0: Things. Yeah, yeah. Start doing things like push-ups, or um, you know, of course, always check with the doctor before you start anything, but.
2: Right. Well I I Bishop, I, I uh, pull ups are great. Yeah, I had uh I had not this is gonna be an interview but me, but I had, had a, a her a hernia repair uh, to twelve hernias and so they were repaired. So for, oh, for wow. many months here you know, I couldn't do any uh any type of weights because I couldn't lift like over ten pounds. Oh, but, gotcha. but uh now I can but light light uh weights. So, yeah, start really light. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: and do higher rep just to get the burn going.
2: Yeah. So uh, when you uh, go to cast Aunt Marion, uh, uh, Melinda Decay is great as the as the aunt, because she's Isn't both she? a little creepy, and but she's also very sympathetic, like you said.
0: Yes, that's the, one of the scenes that blew me away the most was the first time I saw her do the real Aunt Marion, not the ghostly version. Um, it was like, oh, wow, just brings so much heart into this woman's. Existence, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and she did that scene beautifully with Uncle Don. Mm-hmm. Um, and to my to the story of my mom, that that's how it happened. So I wanted to portray that. Mm-hmm. I just ha- ha- when I heard it that that must have been awful to yeah. just call for help and sit there with your dead husband.
2: Mm-hmm. Have the did, Has your mom seen the movie? She did.
0: She did see it. The first thing she said was, oh, you killed me off. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, Ma, I said, you know, if everyone's you know, alive and happy, it's not that horrifying. I had to add um, some fiction for the mm-hmm. sake of horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and Marion just gave me the idea. And then I would say all the backstory stuff. Um, is real. I used to hide in the closet and knock on the door and then watch Aunt Marion answer the front door. Hmm. But it didn't end like it did in ashes. She'd just come to the closet and say, Oh, Barry, cut that out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, Was it hard to write it at all since it is about your family? Well, the idea
0: just got me so excited that I just started right away. Uh, took a couple of weeks to get the first draft solid. Um, what was hard was I started out to write a horror movie thinking, oh, this would be a great horror movie. But I forgot how much I was laughing when I heard the story. So while I was writing it, without trying, things were making me laugh. I guess because it's my family. And so I just left it. Now, I didn't intentionally try to do it. If something was funny, I just left it. And it, it just ended up being what it is. Which I love. And um the unseen interviewer things I got from watching Modern Family. I thought, oh that's a cool mm. thing to do in a horror movie.
2: Yeah. It was. It was a it
0: was
2: Yeah, it was it was a cool so, format and it worked in it worked in the movie. Oh, thank you. That
0: was a good way to get to know Aunt Marion too, through those stories sitting on the couch.
2: Mm-hmm. And how about a, a Ouija board? Have you ever, did you guys use a Ouija board at all?
0: All right, so I had a Ouija board. When I was a kid, Parker Brothers had a Ouija board. Yeah. And we had to call it a spirit board, because I guess
2: Ouija board is Yeah, it's
0: only, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, we had one in the house. And as much as I love horror, that is the one thing that's always kind of creeped me out, is Ouija boards.
1: Mm-hmm. And I
0: have both Ouija boards from Ashes. In pizza boxes in my
2: garage, <laughs> 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 and was, there uh, they'll stay. Yeah. So did do you have any? Have you any? Uh, so see, you said they weirded you out, but did you? Do you have any experiences with them when you were a kid? Did you ever use them?
0: We, I did use them, and it used to freak me out because you know your friends would swear they were not moving it. Yeah. And I was like look, y'all, you're going to go home, and I'm going to go up to my room and sleep with the Wolfman and Dracula and everyone looking down on me from posters.
2: It's <laughs> uh-huh. scary.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I never, like, believed that kind of thing, and I used one for the first time, I guess it was about five years ago, in a local cemetery with my, uh, with my friend Annabelle, and Good. it really that did is. move. Yeah, and it... Uh, what. What made me think more about it was we got answers, but they were very mundane. And I would think like if you were going to make stuff up, even like unintentionally, it would be like something really spooky as opposed to like, you know, it was like a a dead teacher. (laughs) Wasn't anything, you know, that interesting, but which made it more interesting to me. Um, I do find them fascinating
0: and I'm not one to say they don't work. Um, I don't know when I used mine with my friends if it was really moving or not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But for some reason, it's sort of like the Exorcist movie, something about the possession of a little girl. Uh, It's just always been really, um, something freaks me out about it. Clowns, I'm fine. mm -hmm. (laughs) Clowns, I have a puppy doll in my room. (laughs) Uh uh, So Yeah, something just about the spiritual, you Mm -hmm. know, I guess it's yeah. a devil possession or a Ouija board just kind of creeps me out.
2: Yeah, yeah. The the one we used was also Parker Brothers. It was a uh, Parker Brothers glow. In, yeah, one that glues in the dark. So it was very, uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> very silly, but, nice, it, but it did uh, work. Yeah.
0: Like, yeah. <laughs> that's cool. I mean, they're kind of fun, I suppose. As, as a kid, it was very daring and exciting,
2: you know. Yeah, I was like forty, I think, or thirty-eight or something. But oh, really? That's a, oh, yeah, you know, I was yeah. It was, it was a few years ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a lot different. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> so, I started so, all things horror way too early. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Oh no, I love the. Uh, I I just like you. I grew up watching the uh, Universal Monster movies.
0: Yes. It uh, was the best thing on TV for me. I looked for them every week.
2: Yeah, because it, it's different then, because they would just come on, uh, and you know, now you could go and watch them anywhere. They're pro- they probably streaming everywhere, and you can readily buy the DVDs and Blu-rays. But uh, then you like have to, you know, they'd come on TV. I remember recording them all on VHS tapes. Yes. Oh God, that was great.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm imagining all the VHS. I used to sit. In front with, um, a cassette recorder in front of the TV Mm -hmm. to get favorite scenes or singers or something like that. And and everyone in the room had to, (laughs) yeah, but it was, it was a fun time. Mm -hmm. It was, um, good stuff back then. VHS and all of it.
2: Yeah. It's weird to think now, like, um, like, I would, you know, say and then I'd get mad if my brother would record over him, like with something, he'd like record, like MTV uh, music videos yeah. or something. <laughs> but, <laughs> I hate that. Yeah. And now, like, all, like, I, now it's like, oh, I can, I can go and watch this pretty much on any, uh any streaming site. So, but, oh, God, it's like a whole new world. Yeah. I don't think a lot of millennials can really get what we,
0: be- to do, I used to, yeah. have to mark the HBO guide for every time I wanted to see
1: Carrie
2: <laughs> when it was on. <laughs> yeah, it's another yeah. Before DVRs and on demand, and I think oh, do you yeah. think you? Uh, I think you appreciated stuff more though at that time. Yes, because I mean,
0: I mean, I remember when cable started, it was just HBO, and we had mm-hmm. the HBO box that had the buttons for all the regular channels and HBO. And I would just sift through that thing and if there was the movie I wanted was at two AM, I had to like set my alarm and get up and
1: right. watch it. Huh? Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. You really had to work for it. I think you did appreciate it more. Yeah. 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 And I think you watch you would um I would even watch movies multiple times like that I didn't even really like, but just because like you know, there was there wasn't everything at your fingertips. And I think yes. now people like don't give yeah, and I don't think people give movies, like, a second chance as much now. Like, if you don't like it right you away, you can so move on to something you else. From. Oh, so much
0: you could choose from. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many apps and platforms and streaming services, and, you know, I can get myself entertained on my phone with videos for mm-hmm. half an hour.
2: So, you know, as an independent uh, movie maker, then, like, I guess it's easier to to actually make something than it has been in the past, but uh, I assume that would be harder than to get people to notice it.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's sort of both those things. For a while, it was great to be an indie filmmaker because you could just get something out there and it would get seen. Now, there's so much content um, that it's easy to get lost, you know? And, you know, you just hope all the good ones float to the top, but, you know, they don't always. You know, I'll search for a while and find something I've never heard of. And I'll be like wa- watching it going, this is great. Yeah. And then, you know, go figure, it didn't, didn't find its way. Mm-hmm. But what is good is that you when know, I always look at the positive is that we have a place to get our, our stuff, our content shown and seen and, and all part of moving forward. You know, if it's, the movie does okay, you know, independently on streaming, and the next one will do better. And then that one will cause more audience to the first one, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think all you can do is make the movie you want to make and get it out there. And streaming is a great way to get it out there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I was, uh, yeah, of
2: course. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I guess a good art, uh poster art, uh, used to be you'd go to the, the, art. the video store and see, you know, the cool, uh, uh, videos to rent, but now it's it's kind of the same idea. You see something neat, you know, on Redbox or wherever, you, and you say, "Hey, that catches my eye. I'm gonna check that out."
0: Um, yeah, and interviews, though. I mean, honestly, it's, mm-hmm. like I said, there's so much content and easy to get lost. Every time somebody places a trailer, does an interview, any the review, anything like that, it just helps the movie be seen. You know, mm-hmm. so people hear of it. You know, I do as a horror fan. I depend on all these horror blogs and everything like that for my yeah. for my information. Mm-hmm. You know, so I know what's new and I know I should check out.
2: Yeah, yeah. Honestly, doing this show, um, I get a lot of screeners and uh, a lot of them aren't particularly good. But so, so when something is like uh, that, I do enjoy. It's fun to to go and tell everyone, hey, check this out. This one's you know really good
0: yeah i couldn't agree with you more i i love finding really good horror and i love sharing it with all my horror friends mm-hmm. it's it's good to spread the word because that's how i hear stuff too though in the not of somebody will tell me you've got just the other day a friend told me feast you've got a yes. Feast, and i've never yeah. never heard of it but now it's on my
2: list yeah feast is great yeah. uh the the whole trilogy really? is good the second and third movie are are just they're batshit crazy. But uh, but I enjoy really? all of them. Yeah, the, but the second and third are really out there. The first one is, it's pretty out there too. But uh, the, other, the the two after that are very bizarre. I
0: can't wait to see it. It's um, yeah. trailer looks great. Maybe that'll be tonight's horror movie before bed.
2: Yeah, sure it is. Yeah, and I've had John um, John Gulager on the show who may who made the Feast movies. He's a very very really? very entertaining guy. I'll say that. <laughs> Nice. Well, now I'm I, now I'm even more stoked to see it.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was, I think yeah, I, think, about it. I trust his opinion too. he's, he's, he's got good taste in horror. Mm-hmm. It was, it yeah, was the cool. same taste
2: in horror Yeah. Well, what kind of stuff do you like then? I know you mentioned Universal no, you know, Monsters, but
0: it it ranges. I started out as as a Universal black and white fan, and I still love them. Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Dracula—they're classics. Um, I do tend to like some of the, the, the big franchises. Mm-hmm. Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake with Jessica Beale terrified me. I love Friday the 13th. I love Nightmare on Elm Street. Halloween is my all time favorite. Out of the Living Dead is my second. Um, I could write a paper on each of them.
1: Yeah.
0: And I love Poltergeist, The Shining, Psycho. I mean, it's all over the map. Um, mm-hmm. the iconic stuff. You know, I do like a lot of the smaller stuff, too, uh, but I just tend to be drawn towards the insidiouses of the world. Yeah, I love insidious
2: one. Mm-hmm.
0: So it and was a, conjuring. I thought the conjuring was a modern day
2: classic. Yeah, that that I think that will go down as, you know, like you said, a modern day classic, you know, 20 years. People look back as, you know, that was a big horror movie oh, yeah. of this, this generation.
0: Oh, 20 minutes into that movie, I said, this is so far perfect. This, this is a great film.
2: Yeah. And Spawn, like, you know, not only the sequels, but all, like, the spinoffs. There's, like, a whole oh, Conjuring universe.
0: I actually had fun at Annabelle, um, the last one, Come Home. Homecoming. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, just, I thought it was kind of, if you kind of sat back and said, this is sort of a Goosebumps movie, mm-hmm. um, you could just enjoy it
2: yeah yeah it was yeah with the werewolf and but yeah i could definitely Uh see
0: like the goosebumps kind of vibe from there if you get annabelle back all the others will go back too. and and of course it's up to teenagers to do it it was just so goosebumps to me Mm -hmm. um but on that level i loved it just had a good
2: time i mean they had every horror trope in the world in that movie
0: yeah i just kind of sat back and enjoyed it
2: like what's next Mm mm-hmm so uh, I was uh, happy to see Maria Olsen uh, pop up in Ashes of Gail. I've had her on the show a so few good. times. And, yeah, and she's a really yeah. great uh, actor.
0: So Gail was some somebody that I had to kind of create. She was in my aunt's obituary as her special friend. Um, I did not know what that meant. I was very curious. I had no one to ask.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and My mother just said, oh, she's yeah, your aunt's friend and um, they they used to go take um bus trips together to Columbus I'm like oh okay so i just sort of took that's all i had on this gale mm-hmm. um and i just kind of expanded her cuz so she was a mysterious um component to me in the story of amarian
2: mhm uh, how about the the house itself uh, like who whose house did you uh, film that in
0: yeah, you know, that's actually um, that's a good question. It's in Valley Village. I, I rented it off a location site and became friends with the owners of the house. And she, one of them, the husband and wife, nice couple, she has um, recently passed. Oh, um, unfortunate. From cancer. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, actually, you know, sent an email to him asking, how is Lorraine? And he wrote back going, we lost her last night. And I was mm. like, oh, God. And she was so wonderful to have on set, and it was great to get to know her. Um, They were both just a lovely British couple. And it's, um, like I said, right here in Valley Village, and my family was from New York, and I wanted to shoot out here in L.A., and they're in Vegas now, but the houses out here sort of didn't have a Vegas look. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of tapped Bakersfield as, you know, kind of a general California city, and um, and the house that I found, I thought, looked like the kind of house I wanted it to look like. It had all the right bedrooms. Um, it had that living room that I loved for the unseen interviews. Mm-hmm. And um, it just worked. And it felt like a California Bakersfield type house to me. So well, there you go. Yeah.
2: Well, when you're writing it, does that uh, come in your mind to have like uh, you know one location? Because then... You know, you're making an independent movie. You don't have to spend a lot of money on, on multiple locations.
0: Yeah, you know, except for the scene with the um, Melanie's boyfriend, we mm-hmm. were in that house the whole time. And I wish I could tell you I set out to do that. I didn't. I just kind of built it off my family and realized that they're all there's always somebody in the house at some point, and Marion mm-hmm. would be haunting them in the house. It just I was halfway through realizing I don't think I'd gone out of the house
1: yeah
0: and then it became a thing. I was like, let me see if I can stand out.
2: And darn <laughs> it that one scene <laughs> and, uh, <it's, laughs> yeah and it's shot very well uh, like who who is your cinematographer
0: jay lee, You're welcome. Jay lee. um the respons- man responsible for primal
2: rage and zombie strippers all right primal rage that that's the bigfoot movie yes yeah I was a big fan of that movie. I had the director on and uh, one of the uh, Marshall. Uh, I forget the name guy's name, but uh, one of the actors. That's that's. I think that's the best Bigfoot movie.
0: It's a great Bigfoot movie, and oh my God, mm-hmm. the makeup in that movie!
2: Yeah, it's amazing, it's insane.
0: Um, but yeah, Jay Lee is a great cinematographer. He's also a writer and director, um, and he did cinematography for both my films, um, Ashes and the upcoming Killer Therapy. And he's so talented. I mean, he just paints with light, and he used to say, "Just tell me what you want, and we'll figure out how to get it done." I was like, "Wow!" So yeah, so nothing was too daring, and he was very creative, like the Evil Dead Rush uh, rushes that we called them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It was a fun, fun film to shoot, fun set to be on, um, mm-hmm. and it was fun to have all that kind of like light color stuff with Aunt Marion.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and really good uh, makeup in the movie, too, when uh, you know things start to go crazy near the end. Laura Leafring and
0: Sue Sinclair, Laura Sue, they are incredible to work with. They are so talented. They kind of asked me for photos of what I thought, you know, Aunt Marion, you know, Ellen turning into Aunt Marion at her worst would look like. Mm-hmm. And they came back to me with that look. And I was like, wow. <laughs> they just blew me away. Yeah, I yeah. just love, especially. There's a lot of great makeup throughout, like the nails, but there's um that look that Ellen has at the very end for that last scene is just so grotesque. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Keener played it so well too.
2: Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. The cast very good. Was it a hard movie to cast since you're you know basing it on uh, your real family?
0: No, you know what, I can, you know, Elizabeth, I just love. And when I, I, I just thought she would be great as my sister. And, um, my the executive producer, Carl Rumba, had a client, Jeremy, he, he's, when he read the description for the husband. So I think I got your guy. Um, my friend is Casey, who I knew when I was writing, it could be chipped, mm-hmm. uh, the, the makeup head of makeup, Laura Liefering, um, her roommate, um, played Ronnie. <laughs> and at the audition, Melinda and Gail came in, and I needed to see nobody else. I literally turned to the casting director and said, "Should we just send everybody home?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they were they were that good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was very very blessed with the casting. Um, Melanie and um, Angel, who played. And Melanie, Umari and Angel who played Melanie and Camille.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Umari's a friend of Casey's, my friend, so he brought her in and she blew everyone out of the water for the role of Melanie. Um, like, she reminds me so much of my niece. And at first, Angel took me because she actually looked like my older niece. Mm-hmm. Um, And then she was just so beautiful on screen. Her performance was so heartfelt. And I was just like, wow, you know what? You are my niece. <laughs> you me on me so much of her. So yeah. I, I just went for it. So I got really lucky in casting, really lucky with the executive producer, knowing, and really lucky with friends. So
2: mm-hmm.
0: it, it now, came together beautifully.
2: Yeah. Besides your mom, have uh, other family members seen it? Oh, my sister.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, the one who plays that one. Um, she liked it a lot. She understands that we have to make up a lot of stuff. Sure. Um, for for the sake of horror, especially I should say my brother-in-law is anything but a druggie. He's not a druggie and he's <laughs> okay. devoted to my sister. <laughs> he's never run off or anything like that. Uh-huh. Um, but she, um, she thought it was really scary. Mm-hmm. I was like, really? And I was like, not that I don't think there are scary moments, but for me, it's lighter horror, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, unlike killer therapy coming up, which is nothing light about it. And, um, but she said, no, she was, she was really scared
2: watching it in the dark.
0: I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's
2: good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> there, mean, there's a, yeah. I'm not going to spoil the movie because th- th- this scenes, uh, you guys put it out there and I'm not someone who's really disturbed by anything. Cause I've been watching movies since I was like six whatever. But, uh, this, the hair scene, uh pulling out of the mouth is uh, kind of uh, gag-inducing. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that scene was uh, it was a one-take scene.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, because of all good. the the exploding ashes and all that, <laughs> we're like, okay, yeah. we got one really good shot at this. <laughs> <laughs> or it's going to take all day um, to clean it up and start again.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, that was a really fun one. And so I will tell you this, Elizabeth, we're going to set up the shot so she didn't have to have the hair in her mouth. And she was like, oh, no, 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 no. She goes, I'll put it in my mouth and I'll pull it out. And that way it's real. And you can get it from every angle. And uh-huh. I was like, wow, okay. You are devoted. <laughs> I wasn't going to say no. But yeah. yeah, that hair was really coming out of her mouth.
2: <laughs> well, it's a good thing that it was one take, though. It's probably not something you'd want to do multiple times. Yeah,
0: you know, we had like three different cameras set up and it was right. One of those, all right, everybody, this is it. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: um, yeah, the, the cleanup for that shot with ashes just went everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it just couldn't do it again. Yeah. It just didn't have the time and the schedule.
2: Mm-hmm. So uh, what's the reception been uh, like for the movie so far?
0: So I... Uh, after day one I stopped reading reviews uh-huh. because I was on the roller coaster ride of those who love it, those sure. who don't, those who love it, love it. Uh-huh. It's like, okay, you know what? Just put it out there. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess it's good. I've I've gotten some interviews and some whatnot and mm-hmm. um there's there's been some compliments towards the scares and the comedy and mm-hmm. the directing, if I may, mm-hmm. without sounding egotistical and, and you know, and the performances, and you know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: so you know, it's it's the movie I wanted to make, and I put it out there. So I figured there's gotta be some people with my kind of taste who want to see this movie.
1: Yeah,
2: I enjoyed it a lot, honestly. Not just because you're here; I dug it. And uh, I have oh, noticed on the, you. you're very welcome. I have noticed on the internet if someone doesn't like a movie, it's never like, well, this could have been better, or I didn't. It's not that great, or whatever. It's like. It's always, like, the worst thing they've ever seen. Oh, God, Yeah, They've wasted, like, their life watching it. It's like, well, you know, there's (laughs) levels of not liking something, you know. Yeah, I mean, I get not liking a movie. You just
0: kind of just say it wasn't for me. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But you're right. People just really bash and everything. So, I don't know. If you believe the good, you have to believe the bad and vice versa. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's made. I'm not changing anything about it. So, it's there for those who... Want to see it, and I hope more like it than don't.
2: Yeah. So, uh, Killer Therapy, which you mentioned a few times, I'm looking on IMDb, and it has, uh, it has a pretty amazing cast, a lot of uh, horror icons yeah. in it.
0: Yeah, I was a kid in a candy store. I really was. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had to stop myself sometimes and go, PJ Souls in <laughs> <lobby."> <laughs> with Adrian King and
1: Tom Matthews.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, breathe. <laughs> because they they are just that big to me. I became a fan of Tom at Return of the Living Dead. Of course, Friday the 13th, the original was one of my all-time favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, and so are Carrie and Halloween. Halloween is my actual favorite movie of all time. Mm-hmm. So to have PJ and, and Tom and Adrian grace my film. And by the way, I think they are incredibly um, underused. <laughs> to be honest, I was You know, uh, Tom credits me for bringing him back. He has a contracting company and he he thought he said, I thought it was over. I didn't think I was going to act anymore. And we met through a mutual friend and I brought him into Never Hike Alone to do his cameo as Tommy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, staying friends with him, I sent him the killer therapy script and he wrote back a big, yes, Uh and it was game on. So I'm just honored. And thrilled, they all turned in incredible performances. The cast is fantastic. Uh, Michael, who's introducing Michael Kolicky as Brian, the very troubled young boy, and Jonathan Tyser as him even younger, um, are, are like amazing, amazing to watch. So yeah,
2: I'm excited about it. Yeah, very cool. And uh, uh, Tom does more like uh, I do agree. He's also he's very underutilized. He's a very good actor. And uh he's for a while he ready. didn't do a, yeah. he didn't do a lot of interviews, but I had him on the sh- he does more now, but the first time I had him on the show, I've had him on a couple times, um he did the show because we were Farmville uh friends on Facebook and uh and it's oh, wow. very embarrassing probably to say, but we were <laughs> we played Farmville oh, not together. At all.
1: Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Why not? You do you? <laughs> right, right. But no, he's very cool. He's a very cool guy.
0: <laughs> He's such a nice guy,
2: definitely. And, and so,
0: he, he plays a an asshole dad in this <laughs> one, and he really brings he brings his A game.
2: Mm-hmm. And I, I see Elizabeth uh, Keener is in this one. Um, so is she like your good luck charm?
0: Yeah. She's absolutely my good luck charm. I love Elizabeth. Oh. So Elizabeth and I were neighbors for ten years, and when Ben and I finished The Chosen, we um, asked Elizabeth to play the mom i did Mm -hmm. and and um and she agreed she also agreed for a very very low amount for a very very low budget movie um but she was just awesome because she was a friend and a neighbor so then when i did ashes of course you know still friends with her even though we're not neighbors anymore Mm -hmm. um i ran to her and she read it and she was like oh my god i want to do this and and then of course, Therapy, It was just sort of like she says, "What are you working on?" I said, "Here, this would be your role." <laughs> <laughs> so as long as I as I do um, do movies, I would love there to always be an Elizabeth on set somewhere. Mm-hmm. We actually oh, just wrote something together. Oh, really? That's um, cool. Yeah, we wrote the outline for a very with um our mutual friend um, Baz, um, me, him, and then, um, Elizabeth wrote an outline for a. I don't know if I call it horror, but it's suspense thriller, and it's really cool. I'm actually working on the the rough draft um, today.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, interesting. So,
2: uh, what is Killer Therapy about? If uh, if you can talk about it. Oh, sure.
0: Um, Brian is a very troubled young young boy, and he's a biter. Um, and he is bullied. and His father is very hard on him and angry. Then they adopt a young girl named Aubrey, who he thinks is there to be the normal child, and 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 he's going to be pushed inside so he gets very resentful. Well, he grows up with a lot of therapy thrust upon him, um, and then when he becomes a young man, he snaps and he decides to go and hunt down and kill all the therapists he blames for messing up his mind and his life. Mm-hmm. Not excluding his adopted sister, who he's never accepted. So it's it's really a, a study of: is evil just born, or if you're an abusive parent, if you're bullied at school, if you know you you have a bad therapist, if there's any kind of um, it's very dark. It also sexual molestation of a kid, and, and can somebody be pushed? into being an evil being, or are they just born that way? Mm-hmm. So it's sort of a a study to see how a child could grow up and being pushed his whole life into becoming the killer he, he became.
2: Mm-hmm. It's interesting because you mentioned Halloween being your, uh, your favorite mo- uh, horror movie, and that's kind of like the question between the, the original Halloween and the Rob Zombie uh, remake because the original one, is uh, Michael Myers is born evil, and then the Rob Zombie one yep. is more, uh, you know, made evil.
0: Yes. Yes. And this one sort of examines what is it. It's, mm-hmm. it's sort of continuing the debate.
1: Yeah. And
0: and that, of course, always crossed my mind. I actually love the Rob Zombie version of Halloween. I think he's an incredible director. I love the way his movies look. Um, But there was something about the original Halloween. It's just like there's this kid who just one day snaps and never says a word again. Mm-hmm. And there's something truly evil about that. And it's clearly he was born that way.
2: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I always think the uh, uh, in the original one, Loomis really sells the evil of Michael Myers because, you know, it's this man of uh, this guy of science and he's he's so adamant about that this is pure evil without even necessarily seeing a lot of my, because there's not a lot, really a, a lot of gore in that movie. It's all a lot of it oh. is through, uh, is through what, uh, Loomis is talking about. Yeah, exactly. Ah, such a great film. Yeah. Now, I'm looking for this. this is actually sounds very interesting to me. sounds like something I would enjoy killer therapy. Oh, um, thank you. I hope you do.
0: Yeah. And it was great to see those actors together on set. It was just, just mind blowing to me. Mm hmm. So where, I, I will tell you this, I get one mm-hmm. great scream out of PJ.
2: <laughs> oh, nice!
0: <laughs> yes, she still got it.
2: <laughs> uh-huh. Does she say totally?
0: <laughs> I did not. <laughs> as a, she plays one of the therapists. I did not get uh, a totally. No, that pr- yeah, would probably be a very
2: odd character. I think of the therapist. She, right. Be totally,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, she said one of the things she liked about the script is that it's the kind of role she's never played.
1: You
0: know, oh, nice. And yeah, she said to play something so serious, you know, just, and it is. And and her character always believes she's in the right, and she realizes later, you know, when this kid snaps, that she might have steered him
2: completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Very interesting. Yep, definitely some uh, eyes, this definitely sounds like something I would enjoy in theory, so awesome. I'm looking for. It. So where can people f- uh, follow you to see, you know, uh, what's going on with Ashes and your upcoming stuff like Killer Therapy? Um,
0: Ashes has an Instagram and a Twitter. Um, a killer, we just put up these Twitters, so they're new, but we're just starting to film with content and stuff. And I got one for Killer Therapy as well. Um Bootcamp Barry on Instagram is my main
1: mm-hmm.
0: Instagram. If you want to follow me there, you can. And I always post stuff about the movies. As
2: it's happening. Very good. And uh, ashes is available now on uh, on VOD yeah. and on the, uh, uh, that is on demand. Yeah, on <laughs> iTunes, yeah. Redbox, yeah. Mm, very cool. All right. Well, uh, I dug ashes, and I look forward to checking. Out. I look. For, I'm going to go and check out your other movie too, which I've not seen before. Oh, thanks, Neil. The chosen. Uh, the Chosen. Oh. seven and the chosen. Yeah. Okay. Both of them. So, yeah, I'll check that. That's something that's always cool, too. Uh, When you do find uh, a movie um, that you like, it's cool to go and check out uh, their other work. Yeah, I do that, too. I mean, I I found a lot of horror movies
0: that I didn't know about just by following either the director or the cinematographer or or an actor. And it's it's just great. I love doing that.
2: All right. Well, this has been a good time, and it'll be cool to have you back on when uh, Killer Therapy comes out.
0: Oh thanks, Neil. I would love that. Thank you so much for the interview. It was great Very to good. be
2: here. Thanks. I appreciate it. Okay, take right. care and have a good night. You as well. Have a good time. Thank you. Thanks. Yep. Bye. Bye-bye.
1: Madeline. She's from
4: Holyfield's Madeline.